Shalom, shalom. Welcome to another episode of God's Little Hummingbird, the podcast where we are going through the Bible, reading through it together from the beginning to the end, using the original languages as a guide. Today we're in Joshua chapter 22, and we are reading from the New King James Version Bible. Now, this chapter actually has some really really good and deep lessons for us. And if we have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to comprehend, oh, this is an amazing chapter. So I pray Yahweh gives us his insight and and, and truth through his Holy Spirit and the wisdom that only he can give. And so without any further ado, let's begin. Um, I apologize in advance. I am super sensitive to chemicals in um, the year 2000, right before I came to Torah. My body like hated all chemicals. (laughs) And I was thrift store shopping yesterday for some for some of the photography props I needed or I wanted I should say I desired for um, the, some upcoming sessions I have and of course Yavi blessed me but in those shops they often have oh just horrible smells and so I'm a little stuffy today from that so please 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 bear with me <laughs> I will try my best not to be annoying <laughs> okay let's begin. Then Joshua called the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh and said to them, You have kept, which means like obeyed, all that Moses the servant of Yahweh commanded you, and have obeyed my voice in all that I commanded you. You have not left your brethren these many days up to this day, but have kept the charge of the commandment of Yahweh your Elohim. And now Yahweh your Elohim has given rest to your brethren as he promised them. Now therefore... Return and go to your tents and to the land of your possession, which Moses, the servant of Yahweh, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. But take careful heed to do the commandment and the law, which Moses, the servant of Yahweh, commanded you to love Yahweh your Elohim, to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away, and they went to their tents. Now, if you go back a couple chapters ago when we discussed this, Originally, I talked about how this is a picture of, you know, how the, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, they had entered their promised land. And there's going to be certain areas within your life where you are ahead of other brethren in obedience or understanding, so to speak. But you are not to rest and give up fighting the enemy until your brethren have also possessed that promised land, that place of spiritual rest and obedience in Yahweh's truth. So, just remember that that was what we talked about a couple um, episodes ago on the chapter where it first talked about these tribes getting the possession there. And and, and never give up. We, we were told never to give up. But then here's the cool thing. Once once you don't give up and your brethren also receive their inheritance, then it's then you can kind of rest, <laughs> right? But we don't give up and, and, until they've received it. We don't grow weary. We don't stop praying for them. We don't stop interceding on their behalfs and even on our own behalfs because when we have truth, there's still more truth to learn. So none of us have arrived. We can't count ourselves worthy or approved, as Paul says, and we, we must work out our salvation with fear and trembling. So um, anyway, that was a little side note, just linking back to previous episodes. Verse 7. Now to half the tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given a possession in Bashan, but to the other half of it, Joshua gave a possession among their brethren on this side of the Jordan, so towards the land of Israel, westward. And indeed, when Joshua sent them away to their tents, he blessed them and spoke to them, saying, Return with much riches to your tents, with very much livestock, with silver, with gold, with bronze, with iron, and with very much clothing. Divide the spoil of your enemies with your brethren." 
So the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh returned and departed from the children of Israel at Shiloh, Shiloh which is in the land of Canaan, Canaan, to go to the country of Gilead, to the land of their possession, which they had obtained according to the word of Yahweh by the hand of Moses. Now, I do want to point out here, there's a really odd, well, <sighs> there's a deceitful spirit going around the Messianic community right now. Um, there is, there are some people who don't understand and they think you must be poor to be a servant. And there are some people who think you must be rich to be a servant. What Paul says is very wise. Learn to live with much or none. Be thankful and content in all situations in which the Father blesses you to be because whatever situation you are in is the one in which you need to be for humbling, refining, teaching, and growing. I have seen so many messianics this last week and so claiming these riches and sin, going to these prosperity, blessing, curse things. It's like, well, well, guys, like that's one of the whole judgments of this end time period of refining coming is Yahweh is removing all of, like he says in Micah, all of the strongholds in our hands are going to be taken away. We're going to be humbled and we're going to be broken. And our money will amount to nothing. And it's not that money's wrong. It's not wrong if Yahweh blesses you. People used to, anyway, <clears throat> look at our lives and, and be so jealous. And it's like, but we never asked. I never asked for a home. Yahweh gave it to us. I, I I didn't want a farm. God gave it to us. He He puts in your stewardship whatever you're supposed to have. I I would be like my dream and what I was as a young lady. What I wanted to do was travel the world and live in a nothing more. I wanted no more possessions than what would fit in my car. And that was literally when I was in high school and college. So <laughs> for me, it's quite. I've had to really humble myself in accepting the role Yahweh has for me that's not necessarily of my own heart because I am kind of a tramp for the Lord, right? Like <laughs> Corey Ten Boom, I'm more of a, I'm a traveler. I'm not someone to put down roots. I never was going to get married or have children, I thought. <laughs> not in a bad way, just it was Yahweh just didn't, that's not who I was. And then anyway, I got a wonderful, I got blessed with a wonderful husband and son, but, um, my point is, whatever your journey is, whatever your possessions are, whatever it is, be thankful. Yeshua and the disciples were poor. They gave up everything for the gospel. If that's the time and season in your life, then embrace it boldly. If, if it's a season of Abraham and, and Yahweh does choose to bless you with possessions, then embrace it and be thankful and generous and never prideful. So my point is, don't give in to any of these weird spirits. Like, be content where Yahweh has you. Not everybody's path is the same. Like if we were all the same, like then we wouldn't need each other. I mean, everybody has a different calling and everybody has different heart issues, which God has to work out of them. Does that make sense? I hope it does. If not, guys, you know, I have so many of you that we message through Messenger or some of you have my phone number um, and we talk. Go ahead and reach out if you have questions. I don't know everything, but I do pray about a lot of things. <laughs> so anyway, we need each other. Okay, I'm going to keep reading, but I just want to warn, there is that weird spirit. I've seen it on so many Facebook posts and these people are getting so led astray that I'm no longer giving in to this spirit of poverty. It's like, well, but maybe that's what you need right now. Not a spirit, like, don't give in to like, but then I've also seen the other people who think you're sinning if you have anything. So I see both sides. Okay, I'm going to stop. Verse 10. And when they came to the region of the Jordan, which is in the land of Canaan, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh built an altar there 
by the Jordan, a great impressive altar. And I want you to keep listening. This, <clears throat> this was a commandment already we were told not to do. So you're going to see something happen here. They built an altar. Okay, keep that in mind. Had you ever gone to a church in America where there's an altar? They called an altar. They do an altar call. Okay, I want you to really think about this. Verse 11. Now the children of Israel heard someone say, Behold, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh have built an altar on the frontier of the land of Canaan in the region of the Jordan on the children of Israel's side. And when the children of Israel heard of it, the whole congregation of the children of Israel gathered together at Shiloh to go to war against them. Let that sink in. The children who were obedient, who went into the promised land, who were obeying the Torah, were ready to fight and literally war against their brethren who had done something sinful. But let's see what happens. Let's keep reading. Then the children of Israel sent Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, to the children of Reuben, to the children of Gad, into half the tribe of Manasseh, into the land of Gilead, and with him ten rulers, one ruler each from the chief house of every tribe of Israel. So, okay, so remember, so each house that was in the promised land had a ruler. Remember, Reuben, the other three are on the other side, so that's why the ten leaders go with the priest, okay? And each one was the head of the house of his father among the divisions of Israel. So they had heads. I mean, I, I just hate the lack of respect um, Americans have for authority. We are supposed to be people who understand the authority of Yahweh. And there are, um, there's, there's, there's levels. <laughs> like, I am supposed to honor my father and mother. I'm supposed to respect them. I'm supposed to honor and respect elders. I'm supposed to respect the leaders of the land. I was taught that by very amazing parents. But I see most people were not in America, especially people from the South. They say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, but they're taught to reject authority. And that's not biblical. And so we are, I mean, they, so like, I guess here's the thing. They respect authority only because they're family, the Southern people that I've met. Not everybody, please don't take that personal. I've just, we lived in the South. But they have this hot-headed um, <laughs> rebellion spirit, right? They're the ones who wanted to keep slavery. They wanted to rebel against it. They're just very hot-headed and rebellious by nature. Um, and I'm not saying all of you people, I'm not saying that. That's not what I mean. I'm just saying there's a spirit because the Northern people have their own spirit of pride and whatever. Um, my point is what I see often, and especially being a teacher, I used to teach, um, in, in public schools until the father called me out and I taught at the college. There's no sense of respect and deference anymore. They just, everybody thinks like Karah, well, God speaks to me too. Remember what happened to Karah, he perished. And I really have learned this in my life. I had such amazing parents and I was taught to fear every elder put in my place. It didn't mean that every elder who was foolish, I was supposed to obey, but I was still, I was still taught to, to show them respect and deference. And I know that's what helped me in my obedience to Yahweh. I was a very obedient child, extremely obedient to my elders, extremely respectful to my employers, always made manager right away every job I had. I was taught deference, respect, and my place. I just listen, I look up to people. It teaches you a sense of humility that not many Americans have. They're taught they're good enough, they're better, but I was always taught, no, 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 there are people 
above you. There are people older than you. You respect them because you will learn from them. There's wisdom from them. I wasn't, and my husband is like such a good person about this. My husband literally was hired at a high school to be a nuclear engineer. His IQ score is off the charts in the genius range. He's just absolutely brilliant. Um, and what he always, he's so humble. I mean, he, every, all of us have our prideful areas, but he's really more humble than most people I've ever met. And he learns so much. And what he always said was, and it taught me so much. He says, well, I just realized I don't know much. I mean, this is a child who at age eight read the encyclopedia from A to Z. I kid you not. Well, the entire encyclopedia said that they had. He literally read every single word and didn't even skip a section. And that is how he is. Uh, he read every book that was in the library. They literally had to start. And I'm not saying this is a good thing, right? This is before he knew Torah. I wouldn't say to read everything put out there and put it into your minds. But the point being, he read every book in the library. And he goes, the more I learned, the more I realized I just know nothing. And he goes, I always learned that there are so many people. And he goes, I didn't have to know everything. And, and, and when you ever are in a situation with my husband, he never acts like he knows it all. He's always very humble and asking questions. But that's how he learns. And it taught me more even. I was blessed um, just with my parents teaching me that respect of humility and respect. Um, and, and, and I can see the difference it's made in my life with God and being an employee and just being grateful for a job, not taking it for granted, not thinking my employers treated me wrong. I just realized they had the risk. They had the liability for me. And then it transferred to when I got this beautiful husband who taught me even more, like, you don't have to know it all. Like, you don't have to know it all. You, you just don't know anything. Like, this, the wiser, it, it, the smarter you are, the more you realize you know nothing. And that's how it is with when you come to Torah. People will falsely accuse those people coming to Torah of being prideful and knowing all this stuff. But once you come to Torah, you realize, oh my gosh, I know nothing. And that's why the danger, there's this huge group in the Torah movement that I see them going on these weird tangents and they're getting all like arrogant in their pride and they're trying to pretend like they know a lot of stuff, which they're even pronouncing the name wrong. And, and God's like giving them over to that pride because they're not deferent. They're not respectful. They think, well, I know better than my parents. I know better than the generation before me. Whereas when you truly are born again, Torah, you're like, wow, I, I just don't know much of anything. Father, keep me humble. Keep me, keep me in the moment. Keep me in this place of obedience. Help me if I'm going the wrong way. Just gently tap me with that rod in your hand and turn me back. And that's what we all need. And they didn't, and they had that here. Okay, so you can see that they chose these men who were probably super humble men to lead these tribes. And the rest of the people were to give deference and honor to them, like the people were supposed to respect Moses and Aaron and Joshua. But the people who didn't respect the leaders were always the ones who perished. So I guess I'm just saying this is because I see the, this is, these are the dangers. I mean, I've walked Torah now for 20 years, and I was a Christian my whole life. But these are the dangers I really see in people, the prideful arrogance of assuming you know everything. And those are the people that fall hard. It, 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 anyway, just let's, let's stay humble and let's, let's respect the people. Um, I keep opening to that verse all week. In fact, it says, you know, basically, um, uh, what is that verse in the New Testament? I just read it all week and I can't even paraphrase it, but it's the one where it says like, honor the elders put among you who are overseers over you because they must give account for your soul. And there was another verse that says, make sure you show respect to those who are put over you, who are teaching you. Um, 
Because I will tell you, typically, if a teacher is anointed of Yahweh, they don't really want to be in that position. It's a scary position in which to be. And if they're a true teacher of Yahweh, a humble one, which there are a few, um, they don't really think they know everything. They just are sharing with you by compulsion what the Holy Spirit tells them. I know that's personally me. And it's hard because a lot of people fight against me. But I know that I can't disappoint Yahweh. And so if he's told me something, I can't deny what he's told me. <laughs> and I can't cave to man, but I also can't pretend to man that I don't know if Yahweh has literally come to me and told me. So just remember to be gracious to all, <laughs> to those learning and to those who may be further a little bit ahead of you uh, or teaching you. Be gracious on both sides. It's hard on both ends. Let's maybe show each other love and grace and be respectful. Okay, I know that was a long tangent, but there's just these are things that sometimes I see in the messianic community that I feel to address. Okay, so here they come. Um, okay, verse 15. Then they came to the children of Reuben, to the children of Gad, and to half the tribe of Manasseh, to the land of Gilead, and they spoke with them, saying, Thus says the whole congregation of Yahweh. So that word there would be the one similar to the word they would in the Greek translate as church. Thus says the whole congregation, or basically grouped, group of people, What treachery is this that you have committed against the Elohim of Israel to turn away this day from following Yahweh, in that you have built for yourselves an altar, that you might rebel this day against Yahweh? Hmm. Be listening here, people. This is called an iniquity, a sin. They're turning away from Yahweh by building an altar outside of Jerusalem. Okay, and I just read it this week. There's so many verses that pop out that literally say Jerusalem is the city where Yeshua, where Yahweh put his name. Like you, you can't deny that's in scripture so many times. Verse 17, is the iniquity of pure not enough for us from which we are not cleansed till this day? Although there was a plague in the congregation of Yahweh, but that you must turn away this day from following Yahweh. So they're going back to the Baal of Pure thing, the, the, where they worship the false gods with the false ceremonies, such as Christmas, Easter, all those things, birthday parties with Pure. They're referencing this and saying, this is as, just as bad. And it shall be if you rebel today against Yahweh, that tomorrow he will be angry with the whole congregation of Israel. Nevertheless, if the land of your possession is unclean, then cross over to the land of the possession of Yahweh, where Yahweh's tabernacle stands, and take possession among us. But do not rebel against Yahweh, nor rebel against us by building yourselves an altar besides the altar of Yahweh your Elohim. Did not Achan the son of Zerah commit a trespass in the accursed thing, and wrath fell on the whole congregation of Israel? And that man did not perish alone in his iniquity. Here, they, they even remind him, like, look, Achan just died, and his family died with him. Other people died because Achan took of the accursing, and then when they went to fight, I, all these men died for his sin. Come on. So where were they to go at this time? There was only the tabernacle, not the temple. That was the only altar they were to have. And if you remember back in the scriptures we read, it literally said, you shall have no other altar anymore. No longer could they build themselves altars wherever they chose and sacrifice to goat demon is literally the word it was used. And I think that's in Deuteronomy. Wow, people, this is important to remember. This is important to remember because we are dispersed. We are scattered right now. We cannot build altars over here. We cannot make replacement ceremonies. We must cry out, pray for the restoration of Yahweh's ways of his worship system. Verse 21, Then the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh answered and said to the heads of the divisions of Israel, 
Yahweh Elohim of gods, Yahweh Elohim of Elohim, he knows, and let Israel itself know, if it is in rebellion, or if in treachery against Yahweh, do not save us this day. If we have built ourselves an offer to turn from following Yahweh, or if to offer on it burnt offerings or grain offerings, or if to offer peace offerings on it, let Yahweh himself require an account. Do you hear that? They're saying, if we did wrong, don't, you know, don't even spare us. Yahweh will require an account of us. Yahweh will discipline us. If we were ever going to offer offerings on this, guys, there are so many messianics that build altars here in America and do sacrifice on it. It's not okay. We lost the tabernacle, the temple in 70 AD because of our sin and rebellion, and there's a prophecy of its restoration and coming again. We are in a period of time out. We were scattered. We are under the punishment right now and the penalty. We're still in prison, but he's calling us out. Come on, guys. We can't build these false things here. Okay. Verse 24, but in fact, we have done it for fear, for a reason saying, in time to come, your descendants may speak to our descendants saying, what have you to do with Yahweh, Elohim of Israel? For Yahweh has made the Jordan a border between you and us, you children of Reuben and children of Gad. You have no part in Yahweh. So this is what these men are saying. We were afraid that you would tell us we couldn't come over there anymore because you would say we're separated by the Jordan. So your descendants would make our descendants cease fearing Yahweh. Therefore, we said, let us now prepare to build ourselves an altar, not for burning offering, nor for sacrifice. Okay, they weren't going to make a replacement altar like Jeroboam did. But that there may be a witness between you and us and our generations after us, that we may perform the service of Yahweh before him with our burnt offerings, with our sacrifices, and with our peace offerings, that your descendants may not say to our descendants in time to come, you have no part in Yahweh. You notice they were not going to burn offerings on there or sacrifices. The Seder, the Passover Seder, is a wicked institution created in the Babylonian exile by those in Judaism during the 70 years of captivity. The Passover Seder is not in the Bible, I promise you. That is a, uh, that's a theological gymnastic exercise that people try to say about the Last Supper. No. The Passover, Pesach, was actually a sacrifice that had to be partaken of in the temple area at the time of Passover. Yeshua was dying at the time of of Passover. The book of Matthew has some translational issues because if you look at it, you can tell that the author was referring to the whole season of Passover because at times he'll talk about the Passover, but then a few verses later, he'll actually show them eating the Passover, a few chapters later, I mean. And you can tell just as like the pagans call the whole the season of Christmas the Christmas holiday season, and it goes for like the whole month of December from Thanksgiving. There is that season of Passover that sometimes the translators from an antinomian viewpoint were a misunderstanding. The book of John tells it most accurately. It literally shows Yeshua died at the time of Passover. That last supper could not have been eaten in an upper room because, or if it was the Passover, because the Passover was required by law to be eaten only in the temple courtyard, in a holy place after purification and washing. He literally was having a last supper, getting ready to die at the time of the Passover, at his appointed Moedim, his appointment to die. Do not make a replacement ceremony. We are to observe the Sabbaths. We are to observe the things we can in America, but we are in an exile period of punishment, and this is the time for us to be crying out for restoration and for God to bring us back to him and his truth into Israel. This is not a time to make a party and settle our little hineys in America. This is a time to cry out 
and to be waiting for that restoration when we go back to the land of Israel as Ezekiel 47 and 48 clearly show. This never happened like that before, but it, I promise you it will. Not one word of God's will fail to happen of the fathers of Yahweh's. So, if anybody tells you to do a Passover Seder with them, no. No. The Passover is a sacrifice that can only be eaten in the holy place. That's Deuteronomy 12, Deuteronomy 16, Deuteronomy 18 has a lot of those sections. Actually, I think that part's 16. Do we remember it? Yes. Do we rest on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread? Absolutely. But do we make a replacement ceremony, which would bring the wrath upon us like Achan? Do we do those things? No. Do you see, this was an altar built just like the altar of the, the of Yahweh's. It wasn't like it did something weird or crazy or unknown to them, guys. Just like the Passover Seder. If we did it in America, I mean, it would look just like maybe a Passover celebration in Jerusalem. But that is not the point. We need to accept the fact that we have been punished and our fathers sinned against Yahweh. We are in exile until the restoration. If you read the book of Ezra and Nehemiah and those books, you will see that they did not, and the Chronicles and Samuel and all those places, you will see that they did not get to partake in those feasts unless they were in Jerusalem or until they returned from captivity. They didn't get to make replacement ceremonies. And the Passover Seder, which will be coming up shortly, is a replacement ceremony. It is like the one that Yahweh commanded, but it is not correct. So do not do something sinful where your brethren have to come against you because you could bring wrath upon the children of Israel. Now, I do understand. I do believe Yahweh is showing much mercy right now because there's a lot of misunderstanding. But remember... Even when David was excited to bring the the um, Ark of the Covenant back to the temple, the tabernacle, or yeah, the temple in Jerusalem, tabernacle in Jerusalem, but the temple wasn't built yet, Uzzah reached out his hand and he died because they were carrying it on an uh, oxen cart and it was supposed to be carried on the shoulders of the Kohath priests. So there's a time where Yahweh is just going to have to make a lesson. So I beg you, get out of religious systems and truly listen to the Holy Spirit. We need to be fasting and praying and humbled before him and repentant and contrite, accept the punishment and cry for him to restore us. We don't go to time out and get the TV with us, which I don't even watch TV, but you get what I'm, my saying is when children get sent to their rooms and they have all their toys and stuff, it's not really a punishment, is it? We need to lose that which we rejoiced in so we understand what our sin cost us. Okay, that was a long soapbox, but I just had to hit it. Okay, verse 26, I'm going to read that again. Therefore we said, let us now prepare to build ourselves an altar, not for burning offering nor for sacrifice, but that it may be a witness between you and us and our generations after us, that we may perform the service of Yahweh before him with our burnt offerings with our sacrifices, and with our peace offerings, that your descendants might not say to our descendants in time to come, you have no part in Yahweh. So what they're saying is, this, this is altar that we're going to go to Jerusalem and do the true offerings. Verse 28, Therefore we said that it will be, when they say this to us or to our generations in time to come, that we may say, here is the replica of the altar of Yahweh which our fathers made, though not for burnt offerings nor for sacrifices, but it is a witness between you and us. Did you notice in the book of Isaiah that talks about the Egypt doing that exactly during the millennial reign? 
Did you know that America is the end time? Egypt, Mitzrayim. Did you know that the word Egypt is one of only two words in the Hebrew language that is always dual meaning? There's a physical Egypt, there's the Egypt of sin, and um, prophetically, America is the end time Egypt. This, the staff, the broken staff on which Israel leans for help. Keep thinking about those things, guys. Far, but there is an altar going to be built in Egypt. It says that in Isaiah. But not for sacrifice, but as a witness. Interesting they did it here also. Far be it from us that we should rebel against Yahweh and turn from following Yahweh this day to build an altar for burnt offerings, for green offerings, or for sacrifices besides the altar of Yahweh, our Elohim, which is before his tabernacle. Again, it would be sin if they had an altar for doing those things, any other altar. And since we know the Pesach was an actual sacrifice, how dare we claim we can do it in America or in any of our houses? Literally, he says we can't do it in with our homes. That's in Deuteronomy and Exodus and all those things. You cannot do it in your own homes. Verse 30. And God didn't change his mind just because we go, oh, well, you're in punishment now. I guess I'm going to change my mind and change my Torah just to make it convenient for you. So, oh, you can have some fun. No. He says, okay, now do you realize what what?" happened? Do you realize you guys, your father sinned? Do you realize you guys were in sin? Turn back to my ways, call out for me and I'll bring you back. Now, when Phinehas, the priest and the rulers of the congregation, the heads of the divisions of Israel who were with him, heard the words of the children of Reuben, the children of Gad and the children of Manasseh spoke, it pleased them. Then Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest said to the children of Reuben, the children of Gad and the children of Manasseh, this day we perceive that Yahweh is among us because you have not committed this treachery against Yahweh. Now you have delivered the children of Israel out of the hand of Yahweh. Again, another point. Remember in the Bible, it says, if you hear that your brethren sin, diligently seek it out to see if it's true. It is not wrong to question someone. It is wrong to gossip behind their back and question without going to them. But if you have a question, if you have a concern, go directly to them. That's what they did here. And that's not wrong. People get all offended in America. But wouldn't it be better to know if you think something could be wrong? Because I would rather somebody come to me. <laughs> For example, I had an audio text message recently that was not what I said. <laughs> and then I went back and read it. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I did not talk like that. I did not say that. And they laughed because, um, and it wasn't even completely bad. I'm not, but I'm not going to say what it said. But it was funny because the lady's like, yeah, I was thinking about, I needed to come and rebuke you gently. And she goes, but I didn't think you would say that. And I was like, no, <laughs> I wouldn't. And it was so funny. It, I mean, it wasn't funny. It was just so out of character for me. And she knew that. But it was good that she was going to come to me and talk to me about it. Like I, But, of course, I caught it first because I was reading through my messages again. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and like I said, it wasn't, and it wasn't like something atrocious. But it's still just not what I prefer to say, how I prefer to speak. Okay. Verse 32, And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, and the rulers returned from the children of Reuben and the children of Gad, from the land of Gilead to the land of Canaan, to the children of Israel, and brought back word to them. So the thing pleased the children of Israel, and the children of Israel blessed Elohim. They spoke no more of going against them in battle to destroy the land where the children of Reuben and Gad dwelt. The children of Reuben and the children of Gad called the altar witness, for it is a witness between us that Yahweh is Elohim. Interesting. Here, let me look really fast at that word because wouldn't that be good to know? And I don't know why I didn't look at it earlier because you know me. I fly by the seat of my pants. <laughs> okay, they called Mizbeach um, Ed. So Ed, it's it's like an A sound, A-Y, um, but it's Ed. 
that's kind of funny. So, Ed. Huh, I wonder if the word Ed... Okay, so now I'm having... This is how my brain works. Does the word Ed mean witness? Like, my uncle... I have an Uncle Ed. Interesting. Okay, I love you all. I pray you have a super blessed Sabbath. Get out there and change the world. Um, Okay, and it's going to take me just a minute to get back here because my phone locked. (laughs) Love you all.